You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. There is a line for rewards in heaven. I believe the person at the front of the line is going to be the little old lady who did nothing all her life but scrub floors. And as she scrubbed floors, she prayed and prayed, and that's all she did. And she scrubbed floors faithfully because that was her job, but she prayed. All the time she was scrubbing floors, she prayed. Never got a pat on the back, never got a thank you, but she prayed. That's what ministry is about. Ministry is about doing something that nobody sees, only God sees. There are men and women serving God who are known all over the world. Some might think that these people have it pretty easy, but as Pastor Dave will be teaching, the real work gets done behind the scenes. Prayer, study, preparation, lots of these things go on well before anything the public sees. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 3 as he continues his message. Elisha begins his ministry. apply to us does it i think it does folks if you don't deal with the sin in your life if you don't deal with it by confessing it and repenting and walking away from it it's going to come back it'll come back and it'll get you worse and the seven demons will get you even worse than before it's going to come back we need to deal with the sin in our life as the lord shows it to us and we need to repent of it get rid of it and walk away I'm a movie freak. You know that very well. And in the movie Fireproof, when he couldn't stay away from the pornographic thing on the TV, remember the scene where he took it out and he beat the snot out of it with a, with a bat? That's getting rid of it. That's getting rid of the thing that makes you sin. That's getting rid of that which is causing you problems. That's getting rid of it. Get away. If your phone causes you problems, get rid of it. Get a flip phone. Better yet, Get a rotary phone. Take a selfie with that. But we don't. But we don't. And Moab keeps coming back. And each king suffers because this Moab guy keeps coming back. Because they haven't done what they were doing. It started way back with Joshua. Read the book of Joshua. It starts all the way through. So we need to remember that. We need to do that. It keeps coming back. Joram, though, of Judah... He comes into the picture because he married Joram's sister. So the king was asking, it wasn't out of the ordinary. They were relatives, so to speak. So the two kings become three when they go into Edom and they pick up another king and they decide that they're going to attack from the north. Let's read 9 through 14. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom and they marched on the roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Finally, somebody has some sense. They say, Don't you think we should talk to the Lord about this? Don't you think we should? They naturally 
Joram doesn't think about it because he doesn't even consider the Lord. He doesn't even think about the Lord. And the king of Edom, well, he's a Gentile and he, he's some, he doesn't want, want, want to mess with them either. So isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Does that sound familiar? Remember when we studied the other war, they asked, isn't there a prophet here that could tell us something to do? Remember where they were. They were in Samaria. They were in the northern kingdom. They were all the prophets of Baal, where God had been put down. Jehovah God had been put down, and he wasn't allowed back in. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here so that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Finally, somebody thinks, well, we got to bring the Lord into this. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphath, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. <laughs> But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three things together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Ooh, wow. No water for the animals. Joram blames God. But Jehoshaphat says, no, we got to find the Lord. Isn't there a prophet here? There are no prophets in Israel? No, there weren't any. Or there are a few far between. But Elisha is not helping the king of Israel. He's helping Jehoshaphat. Can somebody tell me why Elisha looked at Jehoshaphat and said, if it were not for you, I wouldn't even look at this guy. Let me tell me why. It's a name. Whose lineage did Jehoshaphat come from? David. That's how powerful and how great King David was. The only reason Elisha is having anything to do with them is because of Jehoshaphat, because Jehoshaphat is the direct descendant of David. And he sees that. Here we have this beautiful picture of grace because of God's covenant with David. Because of God's covenant with David, now God has grace on the northern kingdom of Israel also. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace here. I love this. I love it. So what happens? Let's look at fifth. Let's read the rest of it out and then we'll talk. Elisha speaks. He says, but now bring me a musician. Always calling for the band. You know, I don't know. Come on. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind. You shall not see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened... In the morning, when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly the water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. And when the, all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. Then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water, and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. 
And they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil. So they came to the camp of Israel. Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities and each a man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. And they stopped up all the springs of water, cut down the good trees, but they left the stones of Ker Harashath intact. However, the slingers are surrounded and attacked it. We'll save the rest two verses. So Elisha asked for a musician. He needed some music to calm him down. Kind of reminds you a little bit of King Saul, doesn't it? King David used to play music for King Saul and it would soothe him and, and kind of calm him down. But Elijah used the music to get in touch with God. I think that says a lot. You know, a lot of people think that our worship before each service is meaningless. But I don't think it is. If you truly want to get in contact with God, we use worship as a way to get in contact with God. It's a way that we tell God we love him. It's a way that we tell God and explain his glory and speak of his wonders and speak of his joy. It's a way we draw close to God. Worship has a purpose. And I believe that as we do this, our hearts become soft and pliable as we worship God. The worship isn't necessarily to prepare your hearts for the word, but it does help. It helps your heart to become pliable. And as you worship the Lord, you feel your ease going on because the scripture says the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So he's here with you and he's guiding you and leading you and you just kind of feel comfortable. So then when the word is taught, you're more ready to receive it. And you know it. And, and it's a way of, I've seen people break down and cry relentlessly during a worship service. Because God has touched our hearts so many ways. I've heard people get word of the Lord, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge during a worship service because it has been so powerful. So never take worship lightly. We're to worship him in spirit and truth. We're to worship him as the spirit moves us. So this is what Elisha does. He hears this music and he communes with the Lord. And that's what worship is, communing with the Lord. Communing with the Lord. And, and, and Elisha said, and God reveals his plans to Elisha. He reveals his plans. I want you to dig ditches in the valley. Get prepared for what the Lord is going to do in your life. Get prepared for what the Lord is going to do in your life. This is the old story, prepare for rain. This is the old story that you're prepared for rain. Get ready for what the Lord is going to do in your life. I loved it when we were in Israel, and I forget what mountain we were on. We were overlooking, and we saw that I told you about. We saw the airstrip of the Israelis. We saw the airstrip of the Israelis. There wasn't an airplane around. But they were all underground. And the story has it that those fighter pilots are always ready to go. They're always taking their shifts and they're sitting in their plane. That if there's ever attack, they're ready. They're prepared. Well, the analogy is that's how we should be before the Lord. We should be getting ready for what the Lord wants to do. I think the Lord is preparing us for what he's going to do in this little fellowship. What he's going to do, continue. He's not done here. In fact, I think sometimes he's just beginning. He's not done. He has a work to do, and he's chosen us to do it, but we need to be prepared for the work. Well, how do we get prepared? Praying, attending studies, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, learning all we can about him, going out and seeking him and, and talking to people about it. We need to be prepared for what God is going to do. God has called us into a great ministry. He has called us and he's preparing us. We need to be prepared, and we need to prepare ourselves for rain. It wasn't going to rain here. There wasn't even going to be any wind. But somewhere there was going to be water coming from some miraculously. 
Even though there wasn't going to be any rain, they were preparing for rain. It doesn't matter. It's the preparation that counts. Being prepared. God is coming back. The Lord is coming back soon. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? If he came back today, would you go? Are you prepared? I mean, what if you're sliding down? What if you're not thinking and you're out looking at pornography and the Lord comes back? Pardon me, Lord. I'm just, I'll be there in a minute. This was a strange promise from God. The water would be provided without any cup of a storm or any cup of rain. But that's what God does. So they make this valley full of ditches, and God promised, and he sends the water to the valley. And each ditch that they dug fills up with water, more water than they could possibly think of. But they had to dig the ditches before the water would fill them up. God didn't dig the ditches for them. There was something they had to do. They had to dig the ditches. They had to prepare for rain. What does this demonstrate for us? God wants us to prepare for the blessings he wants to bring to you. God has many blessings he wants to bring to each of us, but we need to be prepared to receive them. We need to listen to him, and we need to anticipate the work that he's doing, and we need to get ready for it. Digging dishes was something the people of God could do. God didn't ask them to do more than they could. God never asked you to do more than you can. But whatever he asks you to do, I can guarantee he's going to give you the power to do it. He will give you the power to do it. I'm going to use Linda. Linda never thought she would go to Philippines one time, let alone twice in one year. And maybe a third. Who knows? She never thought she would go one time, let alone twice. But she continued to pray and she continued to prepare herself for what God wanted to do in her. I think that's what we need to do. We need to prepare ourselves for what God wants to do. The kings came to Elisha and they wondered about water. God wanted to give them so much more than their immediate need. And that's what God usually does. God usually gives you so much more. When God wants to prepare for the blessing that he'll bring, he gives us things that we can really do. He helps us. He guides us and leads us. Maybe there was an intense downpour someplace that ran down. I don't know. You can go scientific, but God miraculously filled those ditches with water. Those ditches became filled with water. The land was filled with water. The water was available only to those who were obedient to dig the ditches. Only obedient. The ditches collected the water from God. If Israel and Judah had disobeyed God and through his word and failed to dig the ditches, then God's blessing would have passed them by. They would not have received God's blessing. God told them to get ready and prepare to receive and catch his blessing. God often moves us to do things that may or may not make much sense at the time. But he's preparing us. He's preparing you and getting ready for the future. The measure of water was available for these guys. Was no way less than they needed. It was so much more, but it was connected to their faithfulness of digging the ditches. The more the ditches, the bigger the ditches, the more the water. It was hard. It was unpleasant work. But sometimes ministry can be hard and unpleasant. But there's always a reward, and God has a blessing for you. The ditches were not the blessing. The ditches were not the victory, although they were essential parts of the blessing and the victory. When God wants us to do something to prepare for the blessing, we shouldn't confuse the preparation with the blessing. We do the preparation, but, you know, sometimes we're blessed by doing the preparation. 
Without the miraculous blessing of God to fill the water into the ditches, the ditches meant nothing. But it was because of their obedience. The Moabites see all this water on the other side. They say, oh, it's red like blood. They think, well, the kings turned on one another and they all killed each other. The water's running red with blood. Come on. We got these guys. Let's go. We can get them now. They came to the camp of Israel and Israel said, what are you guys doing? Welcome to our club. And they ran away. God used the ditches to completely in an unexpected way by supplying not only their need, but for a defeat for the enemy. I love this. I love it. It's a great story. It tells us we need to be prepared. You know, and when I read this and I looked at David Guzik's commentary, and he gives an entire account of likening the digging of ditches to Christian leadership. But when I saw that, I likened it to just the Christian life. The Christian life as we live it. Like digging ditches, the Christian life is hard work. It's a joyous thing, but sometimes there's hard work involved. And like digging ditches and preparing for rain, we must do so by faith. Everything we do, we do by faith. Always looking to the future. Digging ditches, we can be blessed beyond reasonable expectation as a Christian. Like digging ditches, life of a Christian often feels like Work without reward. Sometimes we don't see the reward. But like digging ditches, living the Christian life comes from God's revelation through his word. Like digging ditches, your life as a Christian will often be criticized and doubted. You'll face trouble. You'll face discontent. Like digging ditches, Christians should not accept the present state of dryness. Are you dry today? Are you dry? Do you feel like your Christian life is dry? Prepare for rain. Prepare for what God wants to do in your life. Like digging ditches, the Christian life also seems unoppressive and unspectacular. Somebody comes to me and says, I want to be in ministry. And I hand him a plunger and say, well, we got a stopped up toilet. Oh, wait a minute. No, I can't do that. I want to be up on stage. I want to have a Bible study. I, you know, sometimes serving the Lord is quite unimpressive. And it, it's quite unspectacular. And I truly believe with all my heart, if there is a line for rewards in heaven, I believe the person at the front of the line is going to be the little old lady who did nothing all her life but scrub floors. And as she scrubbed floors, she prayed and prayed. And that's all she did. But she scrubbed floors faithfully because that was her job. But she prayed. All the time she was scrubbing floors, she prayed. Never got a pat on the back. Never got a thank you. But she prayed. That's what ministry is about. Ministry is about doing something that nobody sees. Only God sees. Ministry is about loving people who are unlovable. Kind of like when you love me, as unlovable as I am. That's what ministry is about. Loving people giving your heart to people, showing your life to people, sharing your life with them. That's what ministry is all about. Yes, ministry can be hard. Ministry can be difficult. Ministry can drive you batty sometimes and make you scratch your head, make you wonder why God has even called you to this. But there's nothing more blessing than being in ministry when God calls you and God does a mighty work and you see it. And when I see you grow, when I see Linda being able to go to the Philippines twice in a year, when I see God working miraculously in people's lives and I see changes in people's lives, that's a reward enough to know that God is working mightily and it keeps me going and going and moving on to the future. 
because God is doing a mighty work here. All you got to do is look around and see what he's doing. Get involved in someone's life of where, look where they've been and where they are now and see how God is working and how God is doing it. And we give God all the glory and all the praise. This chapter ends on a strange and sad note that I want to cover. Let's read the last couple of verses, 26 and 27. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel, so they departed from him and returned to their own land. This is how depraved, how demonic, how evil one can get. That because you can't escape, you think you need a sacrifice to help you escape. And you go to your God who accepts human sacrifices and you sacrifice your son. Look at the difference in this sacrifice and God's sacrifice. Look at the difference in what Jesus did on the cross and what the king of Moab did with his son. Look at the contrast here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And here, this king sacrificed his own son willingly to escape the battle. Sad. It's a sad commentary. But once again, he departs. The racial determination of King Moham convinced the king of Israel that they, he, they couldn't completely defeat him. For some reason, they couldn't completely get him out of the way. They left content on another near victory. One thing I want to remind you is the victory we have in Jesus Christ, one on the cross, is not incomplete. The victory that we have in Jesus Christ on the cross was a complete and utter victory. Satan was defeated. Sin was erased. It was a complete and other victory. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. A complete and utter victory was won. In fact, the greatest battle cry and the greatest battle cry of victory of all times was when he screamed and yelled, it is finished. Don't ever sell it short. Don't ever sell what happened on the cross short. Don't let anybody in. Complete victory. God gave his son and displayed such grace upon us. For we are saved by grace through faith. And a God who loved us so much that he didn't spare his own beloved son, but sent him to die for us. Now that is a true victory. Amen. You are this has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. As you notice in the course of history, an entire nation can be led astray by following after other gods. But the leader of the nation is the one who sets the example. In so many cases in 2 Kings, the one who was in charge was himself acting wickedly or was swayed by the people who were doing evil practices. 
Unfortunately, you see the downfall and destruction of a nation when it chooses to stray from following after God. What does that mean for today? What are the patterns and practices being set into place in this nation? When you refer to history, it doesn't look promising. But that doesn't mean that you have to give in to societal pressures and practices. Your example of standing up against the norms could affect others around you. You never know who's observing and how they might change their own perspective based on your example. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can reach us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We encourage you to keep looking to Scripture for answers about all of life's questions. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. If you want to hear this message again or others like it, you'll be able to find them on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to join us again next time to learn more valuable lessons in 2 Kings right here on Assure Hope.